resume our consecutive expository series in the Gospel of Luke. The title of the message today is The Longest Night, taken from Luke 22, verses 47 through 65. And as I have been doing in this latter part of the series, uh, trying to get us there uh, in time uh, for Resurrection Day, uh, one of the things that I'm doing, instead of taking, I'm taking longer sections, but I'm breaking that up in basically the points of outline. So instead of li- listening all the way from 22 or 47 through 65, uh, we'll look at each one of those. And the, the points are Jesus betrayed, Jesus denied, and Jesus mocked. Those are the three things, and we'll read our scriptures with each one of those, and then I'll exposit that. All right. After the Passover, and of course, the Lord's Supper that we looked at last time, Jesus entered into his passion. That's the beginning after the Passover and the Lord's Supper, Jesus went out to pray. And it was a night of incredible prayer and deep, deep groaning for the Son of God. He went out into the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane, And we learn from one of the gospel writers that he ended up, as it were, giving great drops of blood. So intense was his passion. His passion would soon continue, and it would continue to intensify ultimately that night in the form of armed guards approaching. Remember, up until this point, Jesus' popularity with the crowds kept them from getting their hands on him. The scribes and the chief priests, those that were opposed to Jesus and his ministry, they couldn't touch him. Literally because the people were so supportive and there was no opportunity. But we now know after what happened last time and what would happen this night We know that the chief priest, working in cahoots with Judas, they would at last, the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priest, had an opportunity to get their hands on Jesus under the cover of darkness. And from all those applauding crowds, they found a way to get away from that where they could do with him what they wanted to do. Now, the first section is Jesus betrayed. Jesus betrayed. Betrayed, of course, by Judas. That's in verse 47 through 53. While he was still speaking... There came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? 
And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and the elders who had come out against him, have you not come out against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. The stopping point should be there at 54. Now, just after midnight, Judas, his chosen disciple and friend, one of his own, arrives accompanied by these armed men. Betrayal by a friend is more painful than by any enemy. Judas betrays Jesus, of all things, with a kiss. And as he goes to kiss Jesus, he's essentially shoving the knife in Jesus' back while hugging him. What Judas did, we all know, is terrible. It wasn't for nothing That he's at the center of Dante's hellish inferno. But there's something terribly ordinary about what happened that night. Clearly, at some level, I already alluded to this previously, Judas had become dissatisfied with Jesus. He wasn't seeing what he was expecting and wanting to see from Jesus. He wasn't doing the things that he expected Jesus to do when he signed up. He wasn't turning out to be who Judas wanted him to be. And you can bet he wasn't alone. The other disciples, do you not think that at this point, after all we've seen, that they too were maybe wondering, how is this thing getting a little bit sideways? How is this, why is it we're ending up here now? Things were going so well, but see, they were struggling with some of the same 
emotions and thoughts that probably Judas had. There were recent events that were beginning to make them wonder. Some of the great crowds were beginning to peel off. Jesus was saying and doing things that just didn't compute. They were likely the rest of his disciples, apart from Judas, they were likely struggling. You see, there is two things that are important. You can die to live, or you can live to die. Now think about that. Judas and the disciples were at this point trying to live to die another day. That's why they scurried like rabbits. They were trying to live another day. They were, they were scared to death. Jesus chose to die, to live another day. He knew where everything in his father's plan was going. It was all in control. God is in control. Even in such a dire circumstance as that night, that awful night. You see, Judas acted first and worst. Judas, the others weren't (laughs) absolutely beautiful in any way. They were scared. They did so many things that showed their fear. But Judas acted first and worst. Now, here's the question for us. What about you and me? How do we betray the Son of God? How do we betray Jesus when he's not doing what we expect him to do? Now, if you can sit out there and think, oh, oh, I've never had such thoughts. I've never expected Jesus to do something that, no, we have, all of us, at times. What are you doing, God? What are you doing, Jesus? How could this be part of the plan? You see how much like the disciples we are? When things don't go as we expect them to go, we have myriads of ways that we try to cope with that. We often show that same disappointment. How is it that we show that we betray the Son of Man? Secondly, Jesus denied. That's the second part in this text. Jesus denied. That's in verse 54 through 62. Let's read again. 54 through 62. Bring on the spring. Then they seized him and led him away. 
bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. The servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, The rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. How he had said to him. Before the rooster crows today. You will deny me. Three times. And he went out. And wept. Bitterly. Now, it's hard to imagine a worse friend than Judas. But just when we're about to crown him, here comes old Peter. He throws his hat in the ring. You see, what happens. Next is legendary as Peter, the supposed rock, the strongest one, denies Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. On the third time, the rooster crows and Peter melts in weeping bitter sorrow. But Luke explores the reason for this repentant breakdown by Peter. Jesus turns, Luke says, and gazes upon Peter. He's looking straight into Peter's eyes and heart. The word in the Greek is emblapo. And it means to intently gaze. To gaze upon. As we gaze upon the Lord. Intense. Focus. But not a expression that is disgust. No. Compassion. Is what the emotion of the day, of the hour. John uses the same word to describe how Jesus looked at Peter. 
the first time, the first time he looked at Peter long ago, knowingly and with no regret, he knew what Peter was going to do. He's already told him, Peter, you're going to really blow it big time. I know that. And I've prayed for you. You see, he was not like probably we would have been disgusted at the likes of Peter. Now we're too much like him. You see, Judas and Peter both had guilt. Peter and Judas were guilty. But their responses were very different. They both were guilty of betraying Jesus. But their responses ultimately were very, very different. Listen to this quote by Michael Card. He says, The difference between Peter and Judas, who both betray Jesus in their own way, is that one tries to fix it, And the other recognizes that things are beyond fixing. So Judas goes out and hangs himself. While Peter is eventually restored. You see, finally Peter realized, I can't save myself. I can't save this situation. I can't fix this. Jesus, cast a look on me. You see, the real question, the real question is not whether we're guilty, but how we deal with our guilt. How do we turn and gaze upon the one who gazed upon Peter to show his love? That God had laid out before the foundation of the world. You see, what are you and I doing with our guilt and sin? We got it. It's in us. What are we doing with our guilt and sin? Well, my brothers and sisters, I suggest you and I run to Jesus. And say, Jesus, cast a look on me like you did on Peter. It's the only, the look of love that Jesus looked upon Peter with that will save you and me and restore us to walk with the Savior. Thirdly, we've looked at Jesus betrayed by Judas. We've looked at Jesus denied by Peter. Now, Jesus mocked by Caiaphas's goons, I mean guards. Jesus mocked, that's in verse 63 through 65. Once again on the screen, thank you. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody 
were mocking him as they beat him. Next screen. They also blindfolded him. Let's go back up. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy! Who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. After his arrest... John, in his account, tells us there was this brief trial by Annas, the former high priest and father-in-law of Caiaphas. But the group that was leading Jesus away was Caiaphas' house. This was largely a time-buying move on the part of those that were out to get Jesus. Because they had to have time to scramble the Sanhedrin. Remember, there's 70 of them. And they all were scattered different places. So they all have to get there. If they're ever going to try Jesus, which is what they wanted to do, as we'll find out next time, they had to get everybody. And so there was some opportunity To have a little fun with Jesus in the meantime. But all this took place in Caiaphas' house. In the meantime, as I said, they would be, Jesus would be entertained at Caiaphas' house. And I've got some uh, uh, clips, I believe, that uh, hopefully, let's see, make sure we're here. Yeah, here we go. This is Caiaphas' house. Um... And uh, you can see this is up on the the mountain, came down and would have been brought out of the Garden of Gethsemane and would have come up to Caiaphas' house. Um, Next slide, please. This is the sacred pit or dungeon. This is where all the fun was had against our Lord uh, by those that thought this was... Just really something, a great opportunity to get rid of Jesus. In this pit, we've been there uh, when we were in the Holy Land. Next slide, please. I think you recognize those couple folks there. Next next slide. And that's, that's from the top looking down. Jesus would have been in this part, lower part of the pit. Next that's another another view of the could throw someone down to that or carrots other ways they could be brought down next one next slide this one gives you the would have come in, come up from down in the Kidron valley and would have brought come up these steps and then this last slide here you can this is See the them dragging Jesus out of the garden and carrying him to this brutal beating and mocking that our Savior was put against. Now, this 
By the way, I want you to listen to this. This is Psalm 88, verses 6 through 8 and verse 13. And taking, excuse me, I'm sorry. Psalm 88, verse 6. You have put me in the depths of the pit. In the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. But I, O Lord, cry to you. This was hundreds of years before Jesus was in that pit. But once again, the prophecy Jesus fulfilled. He drank it to the dregs, fulfilling all righteousness. This was an outrageous case, of course, of brutality, police brutality, abuse that was both physical and mental with their perverse game of blind man's bluff. Who hit you now, Jesus? Show us. As they pummeled the Son of God. But you know, Luke doesn't seem to be as concerned about the brutality of what Jesus was undergoing. He was concerned, but, but the thing he was more passionate to get across to you and me and those in his day and those still today He wanted us to see the big picture. He knew that this would not stand. It would be overturned. Jesus' mocking and suffering was just as Jesus predicted himself and as had been predicted so long ago in the text that I just read. Listen to this. This is Luke 18, verse 31 and 32. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. And will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. Days before Jesus told his disciples exactly what would take place in that awful pit. But Luke knew the bigger picture. He knew this was all part of the plan. 
All part of the plan of the fulfillment of the divine ultimate plan of salvation. Acts 2, 23. Listen, this is Peter. The failure, the boasting, bumbling Peter now standing up boldly before anyone who would come. And he said that day after in Pentecost, this Jesus delivered up according to the divine plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. You see, Luke is saying in his second book, this was all part of the plan. It was supposed to go this way so it wouldn't have to ultimately fall on you and me. But we, the guilty ones, would get to go free. You see, Jesus not only fulfilled all righteousness, but he fulfilled all the suffering that you and I deserve. All the condemnation that you and I deserve. But he laid it upon himself and took it upon us. Carried our sorrows. Do you see? He knows our pain. He knows our pain. Promise. Oh Lord, you have done it. You have accomplished your divine plan. Glory be to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for the gift of Jesus' passion and love for undeserving sinners like us. But let us now go and go freely. Lord, because of what you have done to set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.